HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Emmy Cheese, specialty cheese from Switzerland made with heart and passion. For more information, visit emmyusa.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're exploring the culinary wonders of urban New Jersey with a tour through Newark. We speak to Frank Mentesana at Phillips Academy Public Charter School. This idea of family style and made-from-scratch lunches continues to be a bit of an anomaly in the city. We also hear from Gil Speyer from All Points West Distillery. Newark used to have an incredibly rich beverage alcohol history. And we'll tour Aero Farms, the world's largest indoor vertical farm. We're growing using 390 times more productivity than field farming and 95% less water. Tune in to this week's Meet and 3 on Heritage Radio Network to be amazed at the wonders of Newark. That's meet plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday from roughly 12, I don't know, I don't really know. This time, Nastasia. We were waiting for the computer, not the other way around. At like 12.10, yeah. At like 12.08, you freak. Uh, from Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Joined as usual with Nastasia DeHammer-Lopez. How you doing? Good. Got Matt in the booth. Hey, hey, hey. And special guest today, Nick Morgenstern. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? So uh, you are the founder, proprietor of Morgenstern's Ice Creams. And, uh, and what else? Why don't you tell, tell people about yourself here? That's it. I got two stores in New York. I got rid of all my other uh, ventures last year. So I got uh, Morgan Stern's Finest Ice Cream originally at uh, 2 Rivington, and then I got the new store at 88 West Houston. So what's the difference between the two crowds on those uh, in those two areas? Because I mean, they're somewhat close to each other, but really they're completely different neighborhoods. I think they're definitely close and uh, concerned about cannibalization on the old store with the new store, but um, we haven't seen any of that. So there's diehard fans of the old store, and they like it for different reasons. The new store is much larger and offers a lot of other things that the little one doesn't, but the little one is maybe easier to access, and it is a different neighborhood. Yeah. So. so now, why don't you describe your, uh, you know, so we've talked about ice cream on air here a bunch, uh, you know, People always write in and we're like, the Italian stuff is like super heavy stabilized. Don't let them lie to you and say it's not like a lot of the Italian stuff. I'm not saying all the Italian stuff. A lot of this is super yep. heavy, super heavy stabilized, yes. super heavy saturated colors, like a lot of flavoring to overcome the maximum amount of stabilization. And by mm-hmm. the way, 
I find that stuff to taste good. Same. I, I enjoy it. Same. Uh, then you have other people on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, we've talked about, uh, you know, a, use of eggs and temperature of pasteurization and whether you cook it long enough to get the texturizing effect of cooked eggs or just do minimal pasteurization so you don't get that egg. Blah, blah, blah. We've yep, done all this yep. stuff. So just to give you, like, that kind of background of stuff we've already discussed, where it. do you fit and then if you want to talk about, for instance, like old school, eggless, like Philly style, go ahead. If you want to talk about, we've talked about lack of stabilization and the way briars used to be and how it doesn't last in a freezer case, yep. yada, yada. So just give us some, give us some, uh, some uh, philosophy of ice cream. Some details. So for us, um, we don't use eggs in any of our ice cream unless it is an egg flavored ice cream. So we have 88 flavors on our menu at our flagship location now. And of those 88, two of them have eggs. One is an American custard, which is custard style ice cream. And then we have a French vanilla, which is a vanilla ice cream that's made in a creme anglaise style. So everything else is made no eggs. It's um, cream, milk, sugar, uh, salt. Every recipe has salt. And then there's going to be a little bit of uh, milk powder and a little bit of glucose. And that's it. And then whatever the flavoring is. No, so. s- no stabilizers. No stabilizers. Okay. So, so but does, does this mean that you... But do you do you do you do wholesale at all to people or no? Very little, so, only to my that, friends. Is yeah. that why? Because of the lack of stabilizing, you don't trust people to keep it properly. Wholesale is not really a part of my model. Right. It's just not like for what we do as a business and and how we want to bring the product to the consumer. Um, I sell to people who really get what we do, who really want to have it, and they handle it the same way that we do. But they also are an extension of our brand because of the way that they talk about our product in the store and the way that they get it to the customer the same way. So nothing against like there's certainly business in New York to be done with wholesale ice cream, but that's just not the direction that I'm going. And it's just not really, it's not what I want to do. So by the way, call in your ice cream related questions to 718-497-2128. That's 718-497-2128 or shoot them over to the chat room and Matt will read them out. Uh, Now, so would you consider then you're like like where do you where do you come to this style of ice cream? Do you come from a Philly style background, or is it just this is where you arrived? Like I describe how you got to this place. Um, worked as a pastry chef for a long time, made a lot of ice cream, mostly creme anglaise style. Like that would have been done in in fine dining restaurants where you're making pretty small recipes, pretty small batches. So you have a lot of control over the process, and that's the way that I was trained to do it. Um, started to explore non-egg product in maybe like 2006, 2007, when we were getting unpasteurized raw milk by the gallon um, from Four Story Hill Farms. They were bringing it to us just on the side. I probably shouldn't blow them up, but it was a long time ago. Right, right. And so... You, know, you could theoretically buy it now if you went up to them and bought it. Or Connecticut, you can yeah, go yeah. and get it up there. This stuff that they were bringing us was still warm, and so it was, like, very, very fresh. And they were producing – they weren't producing it. They were putting it into a jug just to bring to us. So th- so we were just getting one gallon from one cow, and they would say, this is really delicious, and check it out. And so um, we started to try and figure out, can we just make an ice cream that just tastes like this milk? And so – that was the beginning for me of going down the path of not doing any of the ice creams um, with egg. I never, when I was working for other chefs, there would be recipes that maybe had a stabilizer, maybe didn't. I was, you know, following their recipes. As soon as I was making my own stuff, we weren't using stabilizers. I find that stabilizers just really inhibit the flavor release, bottom line. Well, I mean, they, I mean, for those of you that don't do a lot of work with thickeners and stabilizers, 
it is just for sure true fact that anything anything that thickens or stabilizes does inhibit flavor release. It's Especially just a if it's cold. Of, yeah. It's just a question of how much does it inhibit flavor yeah. release and what is the flavor release. That's why industrially – and I'm not saying that as a negative about that stuff because I use that stuff all the time yeah. for yep. it. But it's just – known that in fact they they rate different thickeners on how much they release and or mask uh uh, the flavors of the of the of the product so our challenge every single day we make really small recipes we make a lot of them every day um is to make sure that we're you know following the process which isn't that complicated but it does have steps that need to be followed in order for us to make sure that we get the consistency of the product that we want that it's smooth and creamy um without using stabilizers and then we've sort of built um, systems and equipment around the desired result to get us there so oh wait so 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 talk well we should eat you have ice cream here while you're opening it up by the way uh note uh listeners detest mouth noises Which listeners? Like, I don't know. Some of them are, like, violent about me, it. They, me, I hate it. They threaten, you know, they well, threatened, our, threatened us. I've been on audio things before where they really want you to get mouth noises. Yeah, our listeners. We have a separate show for that. Okay. Just for those freaks who <laughs> Can we do that? Mouth, yes. mouth noise issues? Where I have actually already pitched that Nastasia, what do they call that? The people that are into the weird, like, putting your face in the bread or um, the weird, like, repetitive... Um, There's that internet thing, right? ASM- what's it? ASMR. There we go, ASMR. Yeah, Can yeah. we have noise ASMR? I have actually pitched that show to Heritage already. And what's did going they on? say yes or no? They said yes, and then I was like, I don't actually really want to do that. Let's start it right now. Yeah. Okay. So what, so We'll take a whiff. So what, what flavor is this Take here? a whiff. So what do you think... It's like passion? What is this? Durian. Durian. It's got that funky sulfur smell. That's durian with banana. Don't start with that, though. That's going like to blow durian. you out. All I mean, right. Don't, I want to start th- with it. I Jesus. Just want, okay. You know, durian, though, like, has such a high solids content that I'm sure that adds its own creaminess. No dur- kidding? Of course. Yes. That we have to adjust for that all the time. That's a, that's a good segue. The This product that I have here, uh, Stone Beyond Belief, Action Bronson's second cookbook. We made an ice cream sandwich with him. This is the first time that we've done mass production of a sandwich, and we do it all by hand in the store. And the flavor that he wanted the ice cream to be um, was banana pudding. So we make banana pudding. So this has egg in it. It also has stabilizer, cornstarch, and all the things that would otherwise go into a banana pudding. And then tons of banana. Banana is a terrific stabilizer for ice cream naturally. What's the What's the banana pudding of record? Mighty fine? Well, I mean, it probably would be jello. Jello? But we didn't even really go there. Um, I don't, I mean, I have banana pudding recipes, but I actually went to the New York Times, Melissa Clark. Oh, really? Yeah. We tested a few recipes. She's and strong. She's strong. 100%. 100%. Yeah. She's got a lot of, she's got, she got more, more time in on testing that stuff than we do. She can does it in her house, too. Can I give you a secret of boxed pudding? Like my mom's 1970s doctored cake. Did I talk about this in already? No. So, like, my mom has, we have one doctored cake recipe, like Sandra when you say doctored. D. Well, it's like, so a thing now, there's whole shows built around it, is taking boxed cake mixes and doing crap to them. And there we were like, look, I made it. I made this. So like, 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 I mean, listen, the cake box mix is just a blend of things that you could put together yourself in theory. Yeah, yeah, more or less. But like, I mean, look, they're technological marvels. But anyway, so like in my family to this day, reaching back to the 70s, I believe from Sunset Magazine, which was a powerhouse back in the 70s. We still in the family have a doctored box cake 
that we still make. I still make to this that day. That she made back then? She made back then. Oh, wow. It was my favorite cake growing up. What is it? I yeah, talk taught, about it. What is it? I have taught Dax how to make it. Awesome. Dax now makes it on his own. How old is Dax? He now is 14. Oh, wow. When did you teach him how to do that? Like when he was like 10 or 11. Oh, cool. Yeah. And, and so he picked it up back then. Well, I picked it up when no, I was he like, picked it up at 10. Oh, yeah, yeah. My mom made it again because I was like, it was, it was my birthday. And I was like, yo, mom, make, make that a sherry cake. Make a sherry cake. And so, like, my mom made mom it. sherry. My, well, so it's like, first of all, how 70s is this? Harvey's Bristol Cream Sherry. Love it. Which is P.S. Delicious. Delicious. Like, Harvey's Bristol Cream, don't hate. Delicious. Come on. And especially in cooking and baking, it's like so good. Industrial food is delicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's man. people that are very skilled at making sure that it's delicious again and again. So here's how this recipe works, right? I won't give you the full secrets because I told my mom I wouldn't give out the full recipe, but you get your standard yellow cake mix, mm-hmm. right? Then you put in a, bo- uh, you know, a bag or a box, however you call it, of lemon pudding. Lemon pudding. Lemon pudding mix. Lemon pudding mix. Okay. Right? Put it directly into the, the boxing. Then you put the eggs and stuff, but then not milk, not milk, Harvey's Bristol Cream Sherry as oh, the liquid. Swap it out. Yeah. As the liquid. Yep, yep. Right? And then you make that. It's going to make it soft, tender. Oh, Come on, it's forget it. It's freaking delicious, typically, it. in, typically, traditionally, in 70s style, in a bunt form, but we do also flat cakes and what else. I love a bunt. Then it comes out, you do the forkety fork on the top, and then orange glaze over that sucker. Orange powder sugar glaze. With a little more Harvey's in there, or... No, that that I mean it would be good. It might be gilding lily. I've never tested. I've only followed the strictly the nineteen seventies yeah, kind of a program. thing. I got it. I like and, it. Yeah, I'll tell you what. First of all, me personally, not an icing guy. I'm a glaze guy. Just so you know. Okay, got it. I'm a glaze guy, not an icing guy. Yep. And I love a glaze. In all for- donuts, cakes, whatever it is. Oh, yeah, Morning yeah, yeah. pastries, all of the above. I mean, like, you know, in donuts, like glaze and icing kind of, they kind of merge into that thick glaze. That, I guess like, I'm thinking fillings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like fillings. So here's the thing. And uh, if you had gay handed me a cake with icing or a pie, I would take pie. If you handed me a glazed cake... Or pie, I'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is tough. This is a hard problem. Yes, You've yes, now made the, yes. the problem difficult. Understood. Okay, I got yeah. it. All right, I got you. Also, I put whipped cream on absolutely everything. Everything. Including, and you might hate on this because my sister-in-law, Miley, who runs the Food Network magazine, Miley Carpenter, she's the founder of the Food Network magazine. Before that was founded Rachel Ray's magazine. Before that, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Credibility. Has some creds. And whatever you think of Rachel Ray, by the way, that magazine launched Brilliant. huge. Brilliant. That was back in the day. Whatever. So, uh... She does not, first of all, I hate to blow her stuff up here, not a giant fan of whipped cream in general, which is bizarre to me because mm. is there anything really like, whipped cream is like. Second only to ice cream. Well, that's the thing. So I put whipped cream on ice cream, not just in Sunday format, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, but I put whipped cream on ice cream just as a matter of course. Uh, listen, as a purveyor of ice cream in New York City, I can say you are, you are not in the minority on that one. There you go. We sell a lot of ice cream with whipped cream on top. She thinks, it's, she thinks it's gilding the lily. Here's how I feel. Ice cream is the denser format. Then it becomes more airy as you go into whipped cream, into air, up to God. We got to talk about the different types of whipped cream and how close to God they are. Well, okay. So are you Swedish and do your non-sweet whipped cream? I'm an American, so I put sugar and vanilla in my whipped cream. Oh, you think that's American? Well, I think that's how that I, way. that's how, because it's, it's the most like Cool Whip. It. It's the most like Cool Whip. Ah, okay. So we're going Cool Whip direction with it then. Do you like Cool Whip? Cool Whip is delicious. Listen, listen, first of all, I feel, we just stop and clear it for a second. You're tiptoeing around whether or not I might like or not like a lot of these industrialized things that you're yes. dropping in the hat here. And I love it all. And I'll tell you just to clear it right now, 
number one favorite ice cream experience in the world for me, Bertillon on the Ile Saint Louis in Paris. Number one. Um, number two, I really love going to Gelidi in Rome, which is like this massive ice cream shop, gelato gelateria that's in downtown Rome. That's like a total Italian shit show. Product is delicious. Always get it con panna with whipped cream on top and a big cone. Um, but it's a tourist disaster. And if you go there as an American, be prepared to be pushed out of the way by multiple Italians while you're in line. They will cut in front of you and order in Italian in front of you. That's the experience. Um, <laughs> That's the experience. Number three for me, uh, Dairy Queen. Oh. In order. Whoa, 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 what era of Dairy Queen? Um, I still, it's tricky now because I go to, I, when I'm on a road trip, I'll go. And there's still a few franchises that are outside of the Berkshire Hathaway conglomerate that have, they predated. So they're still allowed to operate on their own and finding them. You can Google it. They're not, Dairy Queen doesn't really want you to know that those things are out there, but there's a few up in the Midwest that are still doing it the way that they were doing it. They don't have to necessarily use all the proprietary stuff from Dairy Queen, but I still, I still love a peanut butter parfait. I really do. No, I really do think that that combination of things, it's such a simple interpretation of a hot tin roof, which is just vanilla ice cream, peanuts, chocolate sauce. That's all you need. And if you can get those things in an unadulterated format and taste them all together, they truly are almost like the holy trinity of an ice cream sundae experience. What are your thoughts on the blizzard as a technological marvel? I like the blizzard as an idea, as a concept, I think in execution and what they're doing now, it's got so much other stuff in it that it can, the dis, the time frame between when you're eating, enjoying and having the experience and then when you're feeling really bad has gotten shorter and shorter the more stuff they put in it. Right. Blizz, blizzards and whatever you call them now have gone artisanal. Now, Kith at the new Hudson Yard sure. has those blizzard machines that look totally. like a, have you seen these machines that look like, like earth digging augers? I know exactly what it is, yeah. They're cool. The machines are cool. Those machines are dope. I would love to feed yeah. myself. Created in one Germany, of those. they've they were those were created for a very specific purpose, which is that they make these conical cups that you can put the little frozen packet into, and you just throw it in the canister, and that that digger thing goes down in there and and then pulls it back out, and you get something that's sort of like soft serve. Yeah. So they've really taken any variable out of it, and managing and running a soft serve machine has its own complexity and issues. So this is like pretty. I don't want to say dumbed down, but it is. They're smart. Those machines are smart. They are smart. They like they have to self wash because there's such a free freaking crap show of yes. mess with yes. all those blade. But parts they have like the sanitizing solution. Yeah, it's in automatic. A chamber. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's nuts. And they're like the little uh, evacuation valve at the bottom yep. of them. Well, you know what texture they get? If they don't get soft serve to me, they get um, uh, fro- the remember the frosty. From- yeah. Like that kind of texture. But those all are still sort of falling into that category between like liquid and frozen. Right, right. And it's in that's the middle. very yeah. desirable. We're getting to liquid here with one of these. All right, we're going to so eat. We're going to eat cheese. No, that's Louise. cool. Listen, take so what, a little what, what, swipe. What are we, what are we okay, here? so we'll start off with the flavor that we created a long time ago when I was running a restaurant in Brooklyn and I had my first ice cream cart. This is salted chocolate ice cream. And so um, really simple. Give me what, what you just tasted it. What is it? I mean... Is it just my mind is also going to like Heath and Caramel or is it's there? so crazy you said that. There's a lady who's a regular, regular at my store and on Saturday she, she grabs me and wants to talk to me all the time. She loves the product and she was like, I've always been, you know, eating this other one and then I eat this one and she was kind of like 
really getting into it with some of my counter staff and she was like there's got to be caramel in there and the staff was like i got the recipe list right in front of me like there's no caramel in this flavor and then i came up there she's like, i want to talk to him and then she's like and i said no there's no caramel in that it's interesting that you say that though because there is some of that i think it's almost more like a butterscotchy kind of flavor that's going on there so that's a relatively high cocoa content milk chocolate uh, 38% single origin. We buy all of our chocolate from uh, Falkland, which is a Swiss company that's been family owned for 120 some years. Um, and I just think that what they do as far as how they process and, and stick with the script on what they want to do with their product is, this is so consistent. I've been eating this in pistol form as my midnight snack in the store when I'm there late for 20 years I've been buying from these guys. And it I know when it tastes different. They'll send me other stuff. In the, they sent me a 36% last week. Yeah, no, no. It's not it. I've been eating the 36% for like a week, and I'm like, this is not going to work. You're not getting addicted to it? Not in this, but this has a specific flavor profile to it. So anyway, so, so do you this. Think it's the, you think it's the milk powder in the milk chocolate that's giving it the caramel note? A combination of things. It's also that, that profile. So I'm not going to give you all of the details of our recipes, but very close ratio of cream to milk. So Nastasia hates families, by the way. When you said family owned, she's like, you lost me. What are you talking about? Well, Please explain, Nastasia. Why is he <laughs> saying that? What she's anecdote? Always There's going an on anecdote about this. I yeah, don't even true. understand. What, Matthew, back me up coming? on this. Dave, I hate families? What are you talking about? Only families you know. That's insane. Anyway. Could be. Uh, wait, so speaking of close milk to cream ratio, then, yeah. first of all, let's go back to what kind of machines you use and how do you... Because, like, everyone, when they go high on cream, by the way, I love high cream. Like, high butterfat, yeah. Yeah, like uh, recipes. Everyone's like, you're going to over-churn it. It's going to turn to butter. So can do. Can do. Because the texture on this is fantastic, by Thanks. the way. And but what is the lifetime of something like this? I get 90 days, but that's um, our walk-in freezer functions like a blast freezer, which is pretty crazy. So there's not a lot of movement up or down. If you had this in a normal freezer, what would you say the life was? A home, a home jerk freezer. A Rite Aid freezer. Three weeks, max. What's this guy? What am I eating on here? We call this dusty jandouille because it has a lot of cocoa powder in it. I find jandouille hazelnut chocolate made with hazelnut oil. I love jandouille, but it's very sweet, typically very sweet. And um, we strive for as low sugar content in our product as we can have with still maintaining the texture and consistency. I find sugar, try to use sugar the way that a savory cook uses salt. So like it tends to add, it can add to the flavor profile of something. People want sugar when they're eating ice cream. Obviously, they want something to be sweet. Um, so we add quite a bit of cocoa powder to this. I don't use cocoa powder very much. Um, we use it to make fudge. We use it in our chocolate chocolate ice cream, which I didn't bring you. I should have. I was in a little bit of a hurry when I was packing the cooler for this. Um, and so I think that the cocoa powder in this kind of balances um Texture-wise, this is not quite as warm as the salted chocolate. I brought this in a cooler, that big cooler behind you with a little piece of dry ice in it. So I think the pints were kind of shuffling around in there. But mm, I still think you're getting something here. Sorry for all those um, eating noises on um, mouth noises. noises. Mm. Today's program was brought to you by Emmy Cheese. Specialty cheese from Switzerland made with heart and passion. Since the early 1900s, Emmy has been a passionate supporter of farmers, cheesemakers, and family tradition. They believe in sustainable agriculture and a respect for the people, land, and animals that make their business possible. 
Remaining dedicated to tradition, they strive to lead the industry in innovation, ensuring they bring you only the highest quality, best tasting cheese from Switzerland. Emmy is best known for importing more than 80% of Swiss Gruyere into the United States, but that's not to overshadow their other specialty cheeses, including Kottbalk cave-aged cheeses, Appenzeller, Tete de Moin, and traditional Emmentaler. For more information, visit emmyusa.com. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Andrew Friedman, and I'm the host of Andrew Talks to Chefs here on HRN. Every week, I interview a diverse cross-section of the best and biggest names in professional cooking. Give a listen and get to know all about the inner lives of chefs. You can find Andrew Talks to Chefs wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. I was going to ask you about something off the subject real quick. Uh-huh. An employee of mine has banana phobia. Right. What do you mean? Is- afraid of bananas? Just like can't deal with it. Right, right. All aspects of the banana. Yeah. Like the way it looks, can't deal with the man smell. But most importantly, Stasi asked the only question is man or woman? This is, I'm not going to say, what? actually, I'm not going to get into the gender. Um, cannot deal, absolute no fly, is the sound of someone eating a banana. Really? Can't handle it. <laughs> well, does it matter? What, okay, what is this person, we don't know the gender, what is this person's feelings on plantains? I didn't get that far. <laughs> so, like, first you have to, like, there's a lot of cultural things. There's, like, the sweetness. There's, like, the obvious sexual uh, references. None of that. There's the maybe afraid of slipping on a banana peel. None there's, of that. No. Like, <laughs> then there's, like, how ripe is the banana? You know what I mean? Like The so, like, whole thing is a no-fly zone for this person. Is this person, did they eat an underripe banana and that taste of cement? Do they not, like, nail polish? There was, I think that what I got out of it was there was an issue where they were forced to eat bananas for breakfast as a child. Oh, so it's just a mental issue. I mean, the they, mental, they, it's deep. Yeah, yeah, it's I'm saying, like, like, you know, this is like a clockwork orange kind of a thing. This Speaking person of can orange. no longer listen to Beethoven while eating. Mm-hmm. What's this guy? That's a tricky one. That has olive oil and orange in it. Chocolate with olive oil mm. and orange. That's quite delicious. But getting that texture, speaking of overrunning, the olive oil really does not want to co- cooperate when it gets cold. It's, as so, you we- can- it's so weird. The uh, Well, you know, fa- that was famous... Uh, the olive oil, the olive oil gelato at uh, Babo was like the most like like everyone was like, "How you do it?" And they're yeah. like, "Why don't you crap off?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that was always the answer. But like, mm-hmm. um, you know what's interesting is that the the mixture with the oil, the orange, almost ha- like takes on green notes. I agree. Well, the, the I will tell you, the olive oil is very young and it's from Chile. It's very spicy. It's from Grove and Vine. Um, Nick Coleman, who was formerly uh, oleologist for the B&B Group. That's a gross word, right? Oleologist? Yeah. I kind of like it now, but because I know him and I really like him. If you haven't talked to him, you should get you him on here. To him. He's a weirdo. No, he's not. <laughs> I don't think he's a weirdo at all. He likes family, so he's really bad <laughs> <out> for this. <laughs> he's a brilliant guy, super kind, and really knows his stuff, and he loves it. I mean, he loves his olive oil game. Is heavy um so so back to coco for one second sure do you what's your theory on um cookout on stuff do you cook that do you like do a, a cook on the milk with the cocoa powder to get it in or, how, or do you just soak it forever and then blend it? like what's your theory on this stuff so for the chocolate ice creams everything gets tempered in um milk powder sugar cocoa powder in this case and salt and then it goes back in pasteurized to 180 and then it's pulled off and it's done that's it full batch so you're heating the cream too Oh, yeah. Now, are you... Uh, I've we don't heat the milk. 
don't you heat the cream, not the milk? Yep. So, oh, because you want the flavor of that. Of yeah, the, exactly. Got it. You got it. Now, and it does change it. I have heard many things, including from, uh, was it a Stolting rep or was it one of the Italian people? But uh, so that for those of you that don't care, I apologize. But well, why are, are they listening if they don't care? Right. Well, there are various theories about how long you have to, if you are going to pasteurize and or heat something, then how long you should wait before you spin the product after you chill it back down because the theory goes that uh, the fat crystals will agglomerate yep. in different ways and you will get a different final texture. I find so little evidence to support this, dude. Right, but I've this done is a the, lot this, of this. I know. A this lot is of talk. prevailing theory is that you should let it mature for 24 hours and all that stuff. And we've done it so much and we're like, it's not, we can't find enough evidence to suggest. I'm just telling you in well, our experience. There's an Italian guy who I met at a trade show whose name I forget. I can't remember whether he was working for a German, but he was Italian. And what he said was that if you spin it, if you basically, he was pushing a machine. He was one of these machines where it went direct from pasteurized to chill. Yep. And he was like, if you chill it right away, right the hell away after you do yep. your pasteurization, then it's just as good as aging it. He was against any sort of in-between stuff. But that's probably just because he was selling a machine that did it right away. You're saying I mean, that it doesn't matter one way or the other. Well, the, I think that for us, but part of the challenge for us when running a business is, you know, is the juice worth the squeeze? In general, so like the steps that we take, are they going to yield a result for our consumer that they're going to want it, like that they get it and they understand it? And there's times where we pull things because we're like, we're doing all this work for this thing. I'll give you an example. We have a peanut, like a peanut praline ice cream that we use these crazy peanuts from uh, San Antonio, Texas. They're called Picosos. And uh, what are they like compared to like a Virginia peanut? <clears throat> Are they big, like a Virginia peanut, or are they tiny? Uh, like Spanish red skin, so salted, hand-roasted. Okay. It, yeah. It's my favorite, and I do think, for me, it's We're like, going to get in a peanut fight now, but go ahead. That's all right. I mean, <laughs> you can have your opinion over there, and I can have mine, <laughs> and we can live in the same space. It's going to work out. Not true. And if you want to bring your own peanuts to the store, I'll put them on the Sunday for you. I'm not mad at that, especially if it's like, that's your peanut. For me, the Picoso is the ideal peanut for a hot tin roof Sunday. You like a small peanut. I do. <laughs> I do like a small peanut. I'm not afraid to say that. Um, so the so we were making a praline with that and then grinding it and doing all this crazy work to make the ice cream. And at the end of the day, number one, the ice cream wasn't selling very well. And number two, you know, you taste it and eat it and you say, is this is this translating? And it wasn't really translating. So we're doing all this work downstairs to do this thing and it's not really getting delivered to the consumer. And I think... You gotta have experience with that, with what you do behind oh, the bar. Oh, I hate it so much. I hate it so much. I, there's whole categories of things I won't do, such as uh, high high proof, super chill, carbonated work, or like there's just like uh, you work real hard on flavors and people don't get it. And it's uh, for me, it's not even just that it's not worth the. It hurts me that people don't appreciate something that I think is good and that takes a lot of work, and so it's less heartache just to not do it. Agreed. You, or especially if something's a lot of work and you're worried that it can slip because you're you're, yeah. you're not on top of it of all the course, time. It's going to slip. It just, it's a complete heartache. What do you what do you what do you what what is this? Whoa, whoa, so that whoa, whoa, whoa. clean off the spit. Get a new, what are you you saying? Clean it off with my spit? Lick the <laughs> goddamn. We got more spoons. Um, so yeah. the, no, we'll go to the banana flavor. So that one is banana that has just a little bit of calamansi in it, um, which, which is a fun word. Calamansi. Yeah. People have a hard time with that word, actually, on our menu. What is that? Calamansi, calamansi. So this is a much different texture. Yeah, totally. This has got like a... It's all that banana. Banana ripeness. 
so she won't make it. If you're making. You're pushing this into a gender thing again. <laughs> that was a mistake. It was not a mistake. You, you don't make mistakes. <laughs> well, I don't even remember that. Okay, try the durian banana now, right off the back. Of I that. should say you don't make that kind of mistake. <laughs> you assume it's a woman. Yeah. No, I just picked one to see if you responded. Why yeah. would you assume that? She's she's just trying to rally you. Just don't I'm let her. Mm-hmm. By the way, I saw Matt moving back there. Do we have a question or something? Yeah, Matt, what were you trying to tell us? Uh, well, He's trying to tell me not to do something. I think sure. I was trying to tell him not to uh, be Don't touch put the his hand, get so handsy with the mic. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, oh. it was around the small peanut comment. Um, <laughs> we small you. peanuts make you handsy with the mic. I huh? mean, well, you do have a question that might be a little adjacent to the topic, but we could we could go for it. Um, Tyler tweeted this in a while back. He was wondering, do you know anywhere to buy less than one pound of Tycaloid two tens? Tycaloid, Tycaloid two ten. Uh, that is adjacent. We were talking about stabilizers. Uh, no. Uh, okay. <laughs> Dave, do you have any tickaloid on hand? Uh, in my pocket? No, actually, you know, we... Okay, so th this is a, a mixture of gum arabic and xanthan mm -hmm. that uh, I use because um, when you're making syrups, like, like specifically oil-based syrups or butter syrups that need to withstand immediate... Agitation. Um, yeah, agitation, dilution, mm -hmm. and simultaneous like chilling with the with yep, the fats. Yep. It's a huge pain in the butt, and tickaloid can do almost <clears throat> everything except coconut fat. It nothing nothing that I have. This is why you just buy Coco Lopez. Yep. Which Nastasia is kind of like you're the Coco Lopez of people. So like it it won't break no matter how hard you push Coco Lopez. But tickaloid is like a good second best. Um, I don't know of a place you can buy small amounts of it. But uh, I have, it, I have published somewhere. Someone remind me before the show. I'll look up of the uh, a good starting ratio of gum arabic to xanthan to use to make your own thing. I will say that. So you're making your own, in other words. Yeah, nowadays I don't remember what the ratio is because it's been a long time. We don't have any butter syrup on the menu right now. Okay. Um, because so actually, I had a bartender right who was afraid of butter syrup back at Booker and Dax days. Afraid of it. Why? Wait. Tell the story. I'm not going to tell the story. He was he's actually over at my house uh, on if Sunday. If you don't say his name, it doesn't matter. But, no, I, I'm not going to tell the story because it's a family show and it's not you a family story. we're running story. out of time and the amount of time you spend arguing about whether to tell the story or not is the amount of time that's, we would tell the story. That's like 30% so of any given story. episode. Yeah. Yeah, also, well, uh, so speaking that, of stories, we're not going to have time because we have a lot to talk about this week. But, but can I just make a suggestion? Yeah. Can't you just break off like four ounces of tickaloid for this guy and send it to him? No, no. We now make our own. But so make a, some for him and send it to him. I'll find out the, I'll find out the rest of the ratio. i got to remember the ratio. But his, the, his, other, his secondary question was, are there other good uses for large quantities of the stuff? I mean... He's just no. gonna come up with. Some. I mean, like, All no, right. like, it was like it, any sort of any sort of syrup with oil in it, though. Like, if that comes up for you a lot, I mean, we ran through all of ours, and then we had to, you know, make more after, you know, because you can buy it from from TIC. But it, the point is, I now even forget what what I was gonna say. I was gonna give a suggestion. Story. Have I ever told the puke punch story on the air? It's not really my story to tell. No. All right. Next time. We don't have a lot of time. Because we're talking about other stuff. What, what do I have in my on my spoon right now? My fresh spoon. <laughs> Not strawberry with pistachio pesto added into it. It's good. Nice. I good. like that combo. That's very popular. People really like that flavor. Now, on durian. Two, well, two things. On durian, I've noticed that most of the durian you get in the 
U.S. of A. has been, even if it's still a whole durian, has been pre-frozen. It's not all frozen. A, not Everything as that comes stinky, in is flash frozen. Or it's not as stinky after you freeze it. It's like 50%. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And therefore... Not as stinky. Not as, therefore, for for us Western folk, more palatable. It's yeah. a diluted version of something that's extreme. I agree. Did you say diluted or diluted? Or both? I had ice cream in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> diluted. Um, the... I tell you, I've told people on this on air a million times. I once made a durian caramel by accident. I was never able to recreate it. It was a mistake in a pressure cooker. I was pressure cooking to try to see whether I could dull oh. durian even more by pressure cooking. Wow. And I hadn't controlled, because uh, I was using, at the time, a non-venting uh, pressure cooker. So it was shooting off moisture, and the temperature was going up. And I stopped it at just this perfect point where it came out like a caramel. And it was wow. rich and durian, but not stinky. Then I tried for the next like two, three weeks to try to do it again. I could never. Did you do get it close? Again. No, not even close. Never even got close. Oh, it was just one of those flukes. Yeah, yeah, and then like that's why that's why I tell people, you know, you could do the best thing of your life, and if you didn't write down everything you did. <clears throat> yep, I deal with this all the time, man. Take yeah. a keep in the notes. Our binders are crazy in the store, and like, keep update. We update on the minute. I'm like, put it in the computers in the kitchen and put it in and print and shred the old one and put it back in because you can't. It's like things get too all over the place all the time. It's really difficult. It's really challenging. And we're adjusting all the time. Things change and we don't have those same. If we're not, if we're not using any stabilizers, then just dealing with the equipment. The store is brand new and we're just like learning how to make sure that everything's coming out consistently. So there are changes that need to be made on the fly and then. The cook does it, and then we're like, did you write it? And they're like, I wrote it in my book, and my book's in my car. You know, this kind of thing. So we try to keep that stuff recorded. It's really important. Oh, yeah. If you didn't record it, then you should get punched. Yeah, and the value of the time that you spend the first time and then the second time trying to remember and trying to, like, recreate it and all that stuff, it's, like, evaporated. It's gone. Yeah, and we're Nastasia and I are actually terrible at it. That's the one thing we tell other people to do, and we're terrible at it. The other one we say is if you if you have time to, to lean, you're going to die. <laughs> You should be writing the notes on what we've been doing this whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 You guys have a strong human resources department. <laughs> uh, okay, wait. So now, uh, okay, before I forget, you, you said beforehand that you're involved in a, in a charity thing you want to talk about. Talk about it oh, now. Oh, I just, I brought you, I purchased from my store two articles of clothing for you guys, which is a t-shirt that we That's created yours. this year. With St. John's Bread and Life. That's your shirt right there, Dave. I got you a large. I think that's the right yeah, size yeah. for you. Um, so I was explaining to Nastasia that we get approached by a lot of different... Um, I like those guys, by the way. Who? St. John's? Yeah. They're, it's amazing. The I, know the, I know they're architects. Oh, really? My wife used to work with uh, what used to be Rogers Marvel Architects now. Okay. Yeah, and so like they uh, they were did a bunch of architecture work for, for them. Yeah. And yeah, I like them. They're good people. So the woman who's running their culinary program over there, um, Millicent Soros, she spent a long time in the diner organization and has done a lot of different things in food um, in the same industry that you and I find ourselves in and now has dedicated uh, her time to helping the soup kitchen at St. John's Bread and Life um, get more organized. And, you know, if you go into a soup kitchen that's producing tons and tons of food, more than most uh, restaurants are producing and they don't have the same 
same uh, experience or skill set that someone like you and I do um, to understand how to do it better and understand how to be more efficient, more effective with it and use the same ingredients that they get donated to them to make the food tastier, make the food healthier. So she's really doing something that's um, it's extraordinary. And what they do every day, provide 3000 hot meals in Brooklyn is a crazy feat, if you can imagine. And they serve them out of their soup kitchen. They serve them out of trucks and they do all kinds of things. So for us this year, our entire initiative for any dollar that we're going to raise goes to them. And so we made a shirt to help celebrate that, which is something that we've learned um, over time. Um, our in-house illustrator, Jessica Che, who does a lot of different stuff for us, incredibly talented, did a brilliant illustration um, of a bird eating a piece of pie. Millicent is a very famous baker, wrote a book, How to Bake a Better Pie. Um, incredible incredible baker incredible chef but really incredible baker she's got the hands she just knows how to she just knows how to make it um grandma style and so um so this is a pie a la mode being eaten by a pigeon uh it's not a pigeon it's a raven raven oh it is i love yeah. corvids she's from baltimore corvids smartest of all birds by the way mm-hmm. like any of the corvids are the smartest bird of, the thing is, is like it's got a it's got a look in its eye, like it's got that pigeon look in its eye, which is why I thought it was a pigeon. But sure. I, I like it better now. It's a raven because now I'm like, oh, it's smart. It's not pigeons are dumb. Millicent's no dummy. Yeah. So believe they, me. Here's the thing: uh, if a, a bird consumes caffeine, will that mess it up? Because it's got a piping hot thing of coffee here. As long as it's smoking a cigarette at the same time, it's doing great. <laughs> well, it crushed the cigarette out. It was like it tried it. It's like I don't uh-huh. like this. Uh, it's finished. I'm going to eat the pie. Yep. His cigarette and pies don't go. Uh, it depends on where you're from. If you're have in Baltimore, you, it might be something that's happening down there. Have you have you ever like uh, tried like a like what? How do cigarettes and ice cream work? It doesn't seem like to me that would work either. Although smoky ice cream works, I've had good smoky. Yeah, ice we've cream. done some smoky ice cream. I'm not a smoker, so that activity is not something that I would be able to speak to. Yeah. Smoking a cigarette and eating ice cream, but we do see customers at the new store. We have a big patio. They'll go out there and have that ritual of having their cigarette and having some ice cream outside. It's yeah. an indulgence. I, w- I was never a smoker, but my grandparents and you know my my aunt always were. So for me, the smell isn't the smell of the cigarette itself. It's the smell of old cigarettes. Sure. Yes, and that's the space like, and the yeah, being yeah, in the yeah. house like and all that stuff. They smoke. Did they smoke memory. in the house? Oh yeah, in the car. Yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that was serious. So, like to me, that's like the childhood memory Mm -hmm. of what smoke is. I got one more thing for you. Let's do it. Ice cream sandwich. While you're opening this ice cream sandwich, let me ask you this: So, how do you avoid overturning on high butter fat recipes, or do you just like do you have to alter your machines, for instance? They're not high butter fat. I thought you said you used a, like a, a large ratio of a no. lighter cream. Yeah, we use low butterfat cream, and we also keep our ratio adjusted based on sugar content. So we don't. We have a very rarely do we have an overrun issue. Very rarely does that happen where we're overturning. Yeah. Only on something like that olive oil chocolate where we've added that other fat to it, and we're still kind of like playing with make sure. I feel like this one we tasted it, and you're getting that flavor of the olive oil, but it's not. Um, it's not predominant, and we couldn't really back down the olive oil any further than that, than where it is right there. Wouldn't the olive oil, I mean, I'm, I don't know, I've never done it, but wouldn't the olive oil actually kind of protect protect against overturning because it would stop the butter from... It'll break. Olive oil oh, will break breaks. out of it. Yeah, it'll break out of it. You, you can't, I mean, you could, you know, take it apart with a microscope and be like, what broke? But it's broken. The yeah. olive oil is separating out. So I broke this in half for you guys. It's soft yeah. enough. It's but just broken. get a little bite. Um, so this is uh, the Action Bronson ice cream sandwich. This has been very popular. It's inspired by my favorite ice cream sandwich of all time, um, the It's It from San Francisco, where I'm from. 
Um, and so you have a little Nilla wafer there that we made in-house. You have some banana caramel in there, the banana pudding ice cream, and then there's a chocolate shell on the outside of that thing. Um, and that's been pretty popular, this thing. It's really good. This has been a, uh, this has been a hit. It's serious. That's a five-ounce ice cream sandwich. It's a nightmare for your worker because the banana is very present and it creates noises when you eat it. So I know, it's, it's like, not a good, not a good. Your worker's like, ah, ah, ah. nowhere near it. Nowhere near career. it. Does he have to make them? Now, now it's a disease. Now it's a heath. Um, no, they do not have to make them. I'm getting better at that. So, uh, yeah. you know what? I think it's always better to use the. Uh, the under un- ungendered third person anyway. It's yeah. very complicated though. It's tricky to do. We're trying to remember that. Super it's hard. it's not easy to do nowadays. Uh, so we should talk a little bit about something that I think you can speak to, which is menu matrix. Which is something that I spend a lot of time thinking about, which is the combination of all the things that we put on the menu that ultimately make the experience for however many people come through your doors. Um, Morgan Stearns transacts so many <laughs> people. That family show. Really? Yeah. Um, I needed the expletive right there. That <laughs> over the weekend, we probably transacted, I don't know, it's, it's not even warm out yet, but it was over a thousand people. So there's a thousand experiences happening that have to happen really fast. And that the way that they interact with the menu is ultimately what defines whether they're going to come back again or not. I mean, the product has to be good and all those other things. But with 88 flavors on the menu, hopefully you have like enough choices that someone sees something that they have to have and something else that maybe they want to have the next time they come. That's a big part of how we, you know, get people hooked in and they want to keep coming back and try what we do. So when I went to the bar, I went to existing conditions two weeks ago and I saw that like you have a pretty substantial selection going on there. I mean, the, it's no death and co, but yeah, we have a, a good, I'm not yeah, comparing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I don't, th- I mean, yeah, yeah, whether it's yeah. relative or not, just like objectively coming in and looking at it, there was, all, I think it was the right amount. It wasn't overwhelming for me. Sometimes I go to places and I'm like, there's too much information. I can't make a choice, which is what people say about Morgan Stearns quite a bit. But they do keep coming back. Well, do you bullet it out? I mean, I think bulleting out is the main <clears throat> thing. So if people can hone in on a chunk, like this is like the problem. So when you say bullet, we categorize. Right. Yeah. So it's like, I think that, I think overwhelm, the, like if you look at a Greek diner menu, you yes. know what I mean? You're like, ah, even, and those well, are Well, if you look out. at the Shopson's menu. I've, you know, I've never been. You should go. That's an important experience to have as a New Yorker, man, really. I'm serious. I, I mean, and I, I live right there. You've been to Katz's. Oh, yeah. And, like, Katz's can have, like, you can you can be up or down or whatever it is, but I still love going to Second Avenue Deli myself. I'm not from here, but those experiences, even when they're not good, they're great because yeah. they are so true to what they are and where they are. And so Shopson's is something I also. literally live two blocks from the Essex Street Market. Got it. So it's like... You're uh, in my hood. I'm right down there, too. I live in the same neighborhood, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm on Elizabeth Street now That's in Chinatown, but close. Yeah, for those of you that don't know New York, it's a very... Sm- we're talking about a very small radius. We're um, neighbors. We should yeah. be throwing rocks at each other. Well, well, there's not that many rocks around. You have to break apart the sidewalk. I mean, you construction know. site. Yeah, we could throw pigeons. There you um, go. The... Oh, my God, construction site. Wait, so, so to me, I think... Um, if you just list everything, then you're ruined. You know what I mean? But if you bullet stuff out and people can be like, okay, like at our menu, it's, you know, it's fundamentally like, is it, is it served on a, up on a rock? Yep, is yep. it shaken? Is it carbonated? Yep. Is it non-alcoholic? And each one of those is only like somewhere between four and and eight drinks. And so it's easy to kind of consume sections. But you find that the consumer would rather... Um, search by category on the that style versus the spirit. 
Um, I mean, for us, well, I would say for us because we're, you know, a group of people, so I won't speak for them. For me, um, I don't, I start more from what style of drink am I going to have. I very rarely start with spirit. Okay. Uh, me personally, which is weird As a because, consumer. yeah, because when you're, when I'm talking to a guest, I'm like, well, you, you kind of have to, because it's been beaten into you. You ask them about spirit first. Whereas for me, I'm always like, well, what are you looking for? Are you looking for something more refreshing? Are you looking for something more spirit forward? Because then I can say, well, I'm going to, am I going to push you to carbonated and stirred drinks? Am I going to push uh, yeah, carbonated and shaken drinks? Or am I going to push you into stirred and, and built drinks? So I like, that's where I, and then, and then I'm like, okay, are you looking for bitter? And then if, and if, if they are not interested in having that kind of conversation, if I'm getting that vibe off them that I'm not interested, they're not interested in having that conversation with me, then I'm like, okay, wh- what spirits do you normally drink? Because like, I clearly, that's where they, I start also. Yeah. What ice cream do you usually like? Right, right, right. Idiot flavors we can't really point, but I do think. I'd be really curious to see how it was for you guys there. You have a large menu and you have a big enough space where there's like enough volume running through there to say, what if you were categorizing by flavor profile, not by spirit, but like you have a lot of fruit representation on your menu, which is really cool yeah, for I'm someone a, like me. I'm a fruity guy. Great. And that's, it's like, it makes the experience um, more, it's kind of more fun to see that those flavors are coming through and because of your knowledge and what you do and how um, exacting you are for like pulling that stuff out, literally pulling out those flavors, then you know when you go there, when you drink that drink, it's really going to taste like that thing. And I wonder if your consumer would respond to that if you were putting it out there in the category as far as the flavor profile. I don't know. It's interesting. If you put a banana category, if you put a citrus category and so on with that, and then the spirit comes next and the style is listed that way. There's any number of ways, obviously, to like organize the information. I remember we had the fight when we were starting. <clears throat> but again, there's just so many stakeholders. Why has it, it got to be a fight, dude? Uh, it's always a fight. No arguing. Tell them about what happened last week when you walked into the... Oh, Jesus. I'm solo, by the way. Really? So it's like, I, look, I, I have to say that I think collaboration makes me better. <laughs> personally it's challenging yes yeah, I, I don't think yeah. that's true for everyone but it is true for me it is true for everyone yeah i mean some the, resistance is going to get you you're right. going to do things that you wouldn't otherwise do yeah people that you know um everyone listeners here tim i'm not talking about just us right look at the people you know that don't have checks on them they are small children they yeah. have become small children. Totally. You know what I mean? And uh, But the checks can come in different way, like different forms as far as like how you're buffered. I'm buffered by the fact that we have to balance our budget and we don't have endless amounts of money behind us and we have to be able to operate something that's operating. So then we have to operate. It and also. consumers are a big check. I'd say, yeah, that, you know well, what I mean? that is the budget is the consumer. You know, but like, yeah, it's like, oh, I was wrong. People don't like this. Right. Oh. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's we a, have you know, that experience all the time. Yeah, I think something's going to work. It's going to be amazing—a flavor that we thought was going to be great, and it doesn't move, and we move it off the menu. So the yeah. most depressing thing that's happened to me with menu. Mm. Uh, it, so Don Lee, my partner at the at the bar, um, one of my partners uh, at the bar, he is like, "Look, just name this thing." We have this drink that's got this super salty water that we get from Saratoga. It's called the Saratoga Paloma, right? Cool. I didn't want it to be called a Paloma because it didn't – it has some of the same – Paloma's got freaking squirt in it, right? It's got grapefruit soda. We don't Wait use grapefruit second. soda. Does a Paloma have to yeah. have squirt in it? That's well, I mean the that's definition. what it is. 
You know what I mean? And then like, and, and, and you know, so it's got this kind of thing. So like, this is like this crazy water from Saratoga that nobody else has. That's not in any Paloma. We're using clarified grapefruit, right? We're re-adding everything and carbonating it like together, right? Mm-hmm. And it didn't come from the idea of a Paloma. It came more from, it, frankly, from just wanting to use this water and like pushing it in, pushing it in the direction of grapefruit because salt and grapefruit, and you know, tequila. You could do salt a, with a lot of things, though. Right? No, but I I use a lot of grapefruit juice anyway. One of my big drinks at Booker and Dax was was uh, gin and juice. Like I have like a long personal history with clarified grapefruit juice. Like I just I love it. So like it's one of my kind of go to things. That still doesn't mean that you had to use it for that drink. No, but I, in other words, I created the drink because that's the drink I wanted to make. Okay. And then it was post labeled as a Paloma, right? Even though like. You can count on zero hands the number of Palomas that have been made with super salty water. Okay. Or, or with clarified grapefruit juice, for that matter. You know what I mean? So, because, uh, ding, ding, grapefruit soda, I like it, by the way. Fresca, delicious, yep. does not taste like grapefruits. True. Yeah. Yes. In a way that Apple Jacks does not taste like apples. True. Yeah. I and, agree. And, I agree. An old school fake banana doesn't taste like banana. But... You can't, like but it. you can't divorce. You cannot divorce those two things. Like that whole process that you're saying that you're struggling with, and someone else was saying you should think about calling it a Paloma because that's going to be the way that people are going to look at it. Right. And so he won that battle. We called oh. it the Saratoga Paloma. You lost. And we sold, are still selling a boat ton of them, a crap right. ton of them. And he's like, it's because it's called Paloma. And I was like, Don, there's no AB. There's no freaking AB. We don't. And what I wanted to do, and I'm not, I don't think we're going to do this. I want to have. You want to change the name? No, no, no. I want to have the exact same drink on the menu in two places with That's two different names. The exact same drink. And then see which one's. Because we have another one. So Garrett. What? What would you call it? Don't tell anyone now. So Garrett has this drink on the, on the menu. Garrett, our, our, uh, our tiki fiend. Uh, he, he had a drink that uh, is called Don. It was, it's, it's called Beachcomber Negroni. I saw it. Yeah. So, uh, and we sell a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And Don's like, it's because it's got the word Negroni in it. And then, so then, like, we took off one of our Justinos oh, off the menu. We which took one? Off, uh, we took off um, Professor Plum, which was a prune Justino, into Elijah Craig bourbon. Delicious. And we swapped it out for a um, compass box and uh, date Justino, which Got is it. good. Uh, I think, wait, date or fig? I can't remember which one we put on, because I like both. Uh, anyway, so, like, um, he put that on, and we appended the word old-fashioned. It's fig. Fig old-fashioned. And we sell a lot of it, and Don's like, it's because it's got the word old-fashioned in it. Don yeah. sounds like a marketing genius, and as I'm far like, as I can tell. But I've I never hate, met the guy. Yeah, but. but, like, I just hate it so much. Why? Because I just hate that it's that easy to push people around. You know what I mean? It's like that they're not, like, that— We are all part of the herd, Dave. Uh, Even you. Yeah, I know. I know. That's what I say, but it's like, you, you are know, at times being herded. In spite of my rage. And you need the hurting. I am still just a rat in a cage. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. We all need to be herded sometimes, though. We do. Yeah. Have you not ever sat down, at, looked at the menu, and just been like, ugh, yeah, just, I just need to get that. I don't know. What, what am I doing? I well, can't think I, about this. Uh, okay, so Most people don't think about this as much as you right, are thinking like, about I, it. So like, I am perfectly fine with this because this is the way I am. I hate choice. <laughs> First of all, I hate choice, and as Astasi knows, if you go out to eat with me, I oh, I insist on ordering last. Yeah, I don't know why. 
Because you want to see what everyone else is doing. Yes. Yep. Yes. Anyway, so like the yeah. thing is, uh, it, it's not that it changes, but like I'm kind of always on the fence in my mind between a couple of things anyway. So I, it has to go around. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I've got problems. Listen. So like, but I, my favorite thing to do, and I hate it when people can't handle it because a lot of servers can't handle it. I'm like, listen, I haven't been here before. I might never come in here again. I like almost everything. Just bring me something that's representative of what you do. You know what I mean? And like. You do that? Yeah. Wow. And, and I'm like. How often does that wind up well? Uh, so, sometimes it ends up really well if really? they take it right. You okay. know what I mean? If they don't take it right. But are you making the estimation that you're going to do that once you have gauged your server's ability to understand your particular psychosis? Yeah, well, it's like you try to get a read off someone. Like you could tell if you ask them questions and they're yeah. clearly pointing you towards just the what's easy for them to sell or, or high ticket right. item, whatever sure. it is. But it's, you know, especially like I'll go to a town and I, I don't know anything about the town or like what they do there. And then I was looking at this menu and I'm like, I'm told I should go here. Like I go to a, let's say I go to a barbecue joint. The first time I was in Kansas City, I right. went to like, you know, that barbecue joint in the gas station. And I'm like, listen, I know a lot about North Carolina barbecue. I know something about Texas barbecue. I've never been to Kansas City before. What is it I need to have here? You know you're, what I mean? But you're describing a scenario that's not the one that I'm describing, which is when you're just like, I, you go to, you're going somewhere very specific. You know that you're going to have an experience, and you need them to guide you because that you need to be guided. I I subscribe to the same philosophy. If I go someplace and I'm just like, tell me what it is that you guys do here, and let me experience what it is. And if I want to add on to it and augment it based on yeah, my yeah. own taste, then I'll do that. But there's certainly times in my life where I'm just like exhausted or can't be bothered, and I need to eat, and I'm like at a place, and I'm like, all right, I don't, you know, I understand that sometimes people don't really want to have to choose. Choosing is work. So it, it is. It's, yeah, I it's, hate choice. choice okay, so it's energy. You have to like deal with it. And so, but you're writing menus, and you're fighting against the fact that putting on the tag name Negroni or Old Fashioned or whatever else is actually making it easier for people to make the selection yeah well don is often right marketing genius don 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 lee uh, he's not listening thank god so i can say on air that he is often right <laughs> but, but it, it doesn't mean someone's gonna point him to this it yeah. doesn't mean that it has to make me happy okay so you are disturbed by the fact that he's right or you're disturbed by the fact that he otherwise is just winning this fight the whole with thing you. disturbs okay. me. all right the whole sorry thing okay me. not to get off the subject so, okay so so wait, so so i want to hear more we'll check, check back in in september on what happened with your two cocktails same cocktail different yeah, names it, i want to know what if happened if we ever did so so nastasi wanted me to say this uh quickly we were at the bar so nastasi and i the way this works is is that booker and dax and by the way, we talk, like right before the rip us off, we'll talk about uh, spins, spins all updates because uh, we got the new yeah, spins all in. Oh, jeez! Can and, you give me one of those to borrow and use for a yeah, week? Yeah, sure. And I'll bring so listen, it back. so listen. So, Nastasia and I don't have an office anymore. It's just the two of us plus Matthew and Hong Kong Chris. That's the whole company. And uh, so, what the way we operate is we get on the phone and yell at each other constantly. Understood. So, like, we're meeting at the bar because we're going to go do this French fry shoot with Harold McGee that we did last week for 0, 0.0 that Nastasia posted our tests for and apparently it's the, the greatest it's the greatest video that Nastasia and I have ever done like people were like you know talk about see how the sausage is made it's just us yelling at each other the whole time so we show up at the bar and don't like we say they're having a photo shoot a huge photo shoot at the bar the whole bar is filled it's with like people it's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon 2 o'clock in the afternoon who's having a huge photo shoot 
the the bar. They were do, shooting a bunch of drinks for something that I didn't have to work. You're talking Jack. about your bar. My bar. So you say we were having a big photo shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Existing Got conditions. Okay, because yeah, yeah. I just want to so, understand. Like, so Nastasi and I show up, and we show up separately, and then within two sentences of talking to each other, we were full out screaming at each other. It, everyone was just like, what the hell? <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know how that happened. Oh, it was nasty. But Nastasia like, gets mad at me, and then she knows how to, she's like, I am mad. I want Dave to be mad. But the problem with me is, is that I go from being totally fine to not fine. Quickly. It, well, with Nastasia especially, because it's the same button. It's like, it's like if someone new comes up and starts punching me in the shoulder, it'll take me like three months before I get really agitated. You yep. know what I mean? Yes, I do. But after 10 years, she knows she's punching the exact <clears throat> same place knows. on my shoulder. Yes. I'm like, <laughs> I told you about the shoulder, damn it! You know what I mean? It's like, and so she knows how to... And you're the same. <laughs> and yes. you're the same. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, this comes through on the show. I don't know. <laughs> All right, we got to go, Dave. Well, hold on, hold on, hold up. So uh, I didn't get to any of the questions except for I will say this. Uh, Matt Hall called in with a liquid intelligence life hack. Liquid intelligence is my book. And as you know, Nastasia uses it, uh, for instance, if she was taking a pint of your ice cream out of your establishment. But they also made me make lasagna, and I'm taking both to a potluck. Right. So then she would use my book as the thing that separates the ice cream from the lasagna, and it's the right size to stop the heat transfer during the transfer in the bag, but it's not too heavy. So right. she uses it as as an insulator. Yeah, I could make her a styrofoam insulator, which would be a lot lighter, but she likes to use my book. Yep. Uh, so here's another uh, liquid intelligence life hack from Matt Hall. Uh, I'm new to Instagram and may have screwed things up, but I tried to send Dave a picture of my wife using liquid intelligence as a mouse pad. She does this basically every night. I thought you might like to know that the book can be used for more than separating hot and cold foods. Dave, can I have a copy of your book? <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, then, okay, we had an update, which we're not going to have time, apparently, to get to from uh, Alex on he cooked his Canadian geese that were shot out of the sky in Toronto. So next week we'll read uh, about that. We have some soda problems we have to deal with for Daniel next week in Cleveland. Uh, we have someone, uh, I'll just do this real quick. Uh, Paris wrote in and is trying to make pretzels, but trying to deep fry the pretzels and is doing the lie dip uh, at the, here's the thing. You need to do the lie dip. He, the, Paris is par baking this before before uh, frying okay. it, but doing the lie dip after the par bake. You do the lie dip before the par bake because you're starting the Maillard and stuff. And I think if you do the, let it sit for a while. So if you do your dip in the hot lie, it should be hot lie or hot, you know, sodium carbonate, uh, pull it out, then do your par bake, let it sit for a while. Yes. Basic things ruin oil. They saponify the oil. Whether it's a huge factor, I don't know if it's going to be a huge factor, but I know that if you go hot out of the oven into the lye, wet into the oil, going to be problems. So uh, do that. That's a hazard. Yeah. uh, Remy is doing a fundraising dinner with liquid nitrogen. I have tips, but I'll have to get to them next week because there's too much to say. And we... Mr. Morgan Stern did not get to talk about the history of the Sunday, which Nastasia made me research. No, Rebecca did. Rebecca, our Rebecca? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I'm happy to come back. All right, we'll talk about that. We'll talk come about in the, the summer with new flavors. What do you think about the banana split? What do you mean? What do you like? Do you like it? Yeah, it's like the second most Does important that girl Sunday. That works with you. Like? Second, what's the first? Regular one? Regular hot like ten, hot, hot tin roof. Hot tin. Listen, the banana splits. The banana split. I went on the Wikipedia, and these garbage faces had. A banana split. Wikimedia comments. Some idiot put a banana split on a plate. 
It wasn't in any form of boat. Dude, I was going to bring the banana boat over here. I ha- we have uh, we have eight of the vintage like they're from the '40s and they're they're shaped like a banana and they're big. They look like a banana. They're cast. They're yellow. They're beautiful and they fit a banana. It's got to be in a boat. Yeah, it's got to be in a boat. Banana split eating experience is really critical. I love. I don't like a lot of the things that are like. I don't really like some of the stuff that's in it. But a banana split's great. Let's talk it's about what's thing. in a banana split real quick. Okay, okay. So that's gonna ask you: Are you how hyper traditional as a Dairy Queen man? <laughs> oh. <laughs> So hyper traditional. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage radio network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community. Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends and please Join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.